0: hi everyone today me and hellevorn are going to be reviewing a movie from 2021 ridley scott's the last duel the last duel is about a trial by combat in 14th century france where two men duel over an accusation of rape the squire jacques legris is accused of raping marguerite the wife of his former friend jean de courrouge and the only way to settle this matter of honor And to determine who is lying and who is telling the truth is to let god decide that is they have to fight to the death so to explore our opinions and views about this movie i'll go through a series of questions that both of us will answer the first question is what were your expectations for the movie did the movie exceed these expectations
1: Well, I had read that this movie was praised for its historical accuracy, particularly the realism of the dual scene. So I had pretty high expectations in this respect, but I did not really expect the plot or the structure of the story or the characters to be outstanding because historical movies are usually (laughs) about heroes and wars and you know when when you say the title the last duel this is exactly what you expect right some heroic knights fighting over honor and that's you know not exactly my thing and this has been done before so i had no expectations regarding the plot my thing as i mentioned before and you know is human behavior and social attitudes in a medieval setting so Uh, Well, I had the very pleasant surprise to see that this is exactly what the movie is about. And from this point of view, it totally exceeded my expectations. What about you? Absolutely. I was
0: thinking similarly, because when I heard about The Last Duel, everyone was talking about, you know, the weapons and how accurate the last scene was you know with the valens, and how oh this is how medieval movies should be like because you know in stuff like the vikings you get all these you know women with swords and stuff like that and it's not realistic it feels more like as you said before a dnd role play (laughs) yes exactly exactly and i also thought it would be focused on fighting because ridley scott directed it and if i'm correct i think he directed
1: gladiator right Yes, and also Kingdom of Heaven. And yeah, this these were really good movies, but they are very, um, you know, the standard story and structure, so nothing out of the ordinary there. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I did expect some good cinematography, but not something really uh, out of the ordinary.
0: Right. And I was shocked, too. I thought the fight scenes would be bigger. You know, there would be a larger role in the movie. But to my pleasant surprise, it seems like the fight scenes were actually very minor, like even at the beginning, before the very last one. Right. They were all really short, even compared to something like The Northman, which, you know, we both reviewed a few episodes ago. And there's a link to it in the description. But yeah, in the Northmen, we get a lot and a lot of scenes. So ironically, the Northmen is more of a battle movie than this one, even though this one sounds like, you know, it's more action oriented than the Northmen.
1: That's very true. So it's a director wanted the Northmen to be a sort of a popcorn movie as much as he can make a popcorn movie. So I guess by his standards, yeah, it was very action-oriented, uh, whereas the duel is, uh, well, it intentionally deconstructs the idea of honor in uh, the high Middle Ages, which is what everybody thinks about when we hear the um, that uh, 14th century setting, right? Knights uh, fighting for honor. But what is really honor and art these nights actually honorable and Mm -hmm. this is what the movie actually is about and it answers some really or or it or it poses some really interesting uh uh questions about social attitudes and morality of the time
0: Mm -hmm, absolutely so next question out of the three perspectives which was the most interesting which was the least before we explore this, I just wanted to say that for people who haven't watched this before, um, you know, this movie actually had three perspectives. So the first perspective is from Jean de Courouge, who is, I guess you would say, the main character in a way, from from the first perspective anyways. And he is, you know, an illiterate knight who is married to Marguerite. The second perspective is from Jean Legris' view, and he is a squire who is well-read and he is also a womanizer and he is in love with marguerite and the third perspective is marguerite herself who is you know jean de courrouge's wife and you know she actually uncovers a lot of things that we didn't see before in the other two perspectives so her perspective really reveals a lot
1: that's right and Yeah, and it is titled The Truth. So basically we see the biased perspectives of the two men which are uh, really biased by their uh, ideals of uh, honor And uh, she is the one who is uh, much more objective and much more realistic and truly unaffected by these uh, tenets of the time that men and noblemen were supposed to adhere to. So this was the idea behind the three perspectives that being said, my favorite perspective was definitely the one of Jacques Legris, because um, you know, this is amazing because usually the middle of the movie is the most boring part. (laughs) I guess this contributes to why this movie is so engaging from start to finish. We basically have this character who is presented as a villain, somebody who has uh, systematically wronged the main character that we have seen presented, um, as, as a sort of a hero, right? I mean, he he was this good guy in his perspective. He was this good guy who was uh, um, uh, wronged and misunderstood, and he was she just wanted to do the right thing, and these corrupt noblemen were uh, uh, trying to uh, to steal what is his. So uh, we see Jacques as the villain. And then we see his perspective. And it is fascinating to see that he actually has some valid motivations. He doesn't mean to do harm this is not what he believes he does he doesn't think i hate this guy so much so i want to to do as much harm as possible right he is a very self-centered person who lacks empathy and he is the basically the product of the society that he lives in where uh being a nobleman entitles you to everything you want and to have anyone that you want even if that is a a, a person or a, a woman someone else, his titles, right? So he's a product of his society.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And Jean himself um, is actually a very um, flawed person as well. He's not, you know, the underdog that we thought he was, you know. From his perspective, he's just a normal guy who works really hard and suddenly, you know, life is unfair and takes things away from him. But that's not really the case because from my perspective anyways, it feels like Jean is extremely antisocial he doesn't try to make any effort to you know appeal to people or to talk to them or to get to know anyone he just goes to work which is to fight and then he goes home and i guess it doesn't work in their society because you can see from jacques perspective that he's always networking with people like pierre and pierre doesn't like people who are like jean who just go to work and then disappear he wants people to stay behind and party with him so he can get to know them better
1: Exactly. So um, uh, this is what uh, uh, shows or highlights social hierarchy in the Middle Ages, because uh, in this time, social hierarchy is truly set in stone. So uh, as uh, a nobleman with uh, connections high up and someone who has the favor of the Lord, as Jacques has the favor of uh, Pierre, um, anyone who ranks below you is just a tool for you to use. Right. Uh, so um, um, also, well, women are second rate citizens and their rank and their family is all that matters and not, tr- not their feelings or their thoughts or their personality. Right. And this is what we see here where uh, in offending the woman, you actually offend the man who is in charge of her, her father, if she is unmarried or her husband. And this is why the the matter of honor has to be settled between them. And Marguerite isn't really asked about what has been going on. So, yeah, you you are right. I think um, both Jean and Allegri are representatives of their time. As you said, uh, Jean is a serious and straightforward and conservative man who uh, um, sort of does things right. I mean, he he tries to be just, but at the same time, he is not charismatic. He is not sociable. He lacks these social skills that you uh, have to use. To, because you rely a lot on your lord's favor and on the, the loyalty of your men uh, during this time, right? All mm-hmm. the green is more sophisticated. He's better with words and cunning and diplomacy and establishing relationships. And uh, he is more charismatic, but also more willing to get his hands dirty, which also comes in very useful in this um, society. Uh, but where they... Um, are very similar is that they both treat women as property they don't care what the woman thinks and feels and the man's desires always come first right and we can actually see
0: this from marguerite's point of view which you know was my personal favorite you know even though Legree did his crime of passion um jean i guess you can say he did his crime of non-passion because even though he was married to marguerite um there uh, sexual life was very bad i mean he tried to be nice at the beginning asking her oh did you like that and stuff like that but at the same time you can tell by her expressions that she did not like it even though she claims that she does
1: that's true he is uh he's very conservative he is very much a uh, prude and he is uh, very uh emotionally detached as he probably believes uh, a man should be. So, uh, but definitely he has his great faults in their relationship.
0: And he's also very um, demanding. He's just doing it just for the sake of having an hair an air because you know, from Marguerite's perspective, which is different from his, you know from from his perspective, the very first one, what we get to see when we first see Marguerite is that she's looking at him and smiling. But from her perspective, she's not even really paying attention to him. She's paying attention to what her dad is saying. Her dad's talking about her dowry and what he will get when he marries her. And then she's already, you know, kind of dreading the moment they get married. You can see why in the marriage scene, in Jean's perspective, wasn't that great. They were very serious. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So which was your least favorite? My least favorite? I guess Jean because he simplifies the whole um, well I mean it's necessary right it's the first Mm -hmm. layer but I would say it's the least interesting because it just feels very simple like he is
1: That's true. It really reflects his personality and uh, it I I think it is the first one because it's meant to sort of mislead uh, the viewer because uh, in the beginning you think that you are meant to empathize with this person and to really like this character but as his uh, point of view progresses you realize that you know, I I don't really like him all that much. And then you realize that, okay, so this is where the movie was going. The idea was to show very different and very subjective points of view and not to tell you this is the hero. You have to like him and you have to want for him to win. Of course, mm-hmm. you want him to win because otherwise Magritte will face a terrible death. So you, you end up wanting him to win but you don't really have a favorite out of the two men as the duel actually starts exactly and you realize that they are
0: both very flawed when the duel starts and that marguerite really has no choice i think the audience is kind of placed into her feet because uh, her shoes because we can see that women in that society don't have any power and they have to resort to these kind of things to even get any kind of attention right for their for the crimes that have been committed against them so of course Marguerite does not like Jean, we know that. But the is no better, if anything, he's worse. So mm. she wants to get rid of both of them, in, I guess, through the duel. But at the same time, if Jean loses, then she will have to die as well. And she can't, you know, see her son grow up.
1: Exactly, right.
0: Exactly. So the third question is... In Le Gris, in Legree's perspective, he and Marguerite talk about courtly love. What does this say about Legree's love, views on love, and how he later acts?
1: Yes, and this is, uh, this is a very interesting point because uh, uh, from that uh, time period and from that setting in France, we have so many medieval texts detailing how love was seen, the so-called courtly love literature. And I think this is what immediately comes to our mind when we think about the high middle ages. Uh, we all know those uh, uh, stories about uh, um, the, the knight uh, who um, is going a series of quests in order to win the love of uh, a lady and um um, like Lancelot and Guinevere, mm-hmm. for example, so the knight who is suffering for, for love and would go through every trial to win her. And um, um, I think that this is a very peculiar type of love, that of courted love, because it is widely known in our times, but very misunderstood because it is so entrenched in medieval social relations. And if you don't understand them, then you will misunderstand the whole thing the whole their whole concept of love because we in these um medieval texts and in all the the films that are done with knights and princesses. We see the knight is um, uh, a very romantic person, right? He's crying and suffering for love, (laughs) reciting poems and love songs and falling to his knees in front of the lady and declaring his lifelong loyalty. And we think, oh, he's so sensitive and so romantic. And the, the lady is so fortunate to have the love of this heroic man and a rich husband because, um, the trope is the knight falling in love with uh, the wife of his lord. <laughs> that This is usually how it goes, right? Like Lancelot and Guinevere, the, mm-hmm. the wife of... Arthur, King Arthur so uh, well here this is uh, turned on its head because Legree is that knight for the standards of the time he is a very romantic person he is a very passionate person he is well read, he reads courtly love we have that scene where this is what they bond over they they are both educated people who are into these uh, lady and knight romance stories so um, you can believe that, um, you know, he is, he is that romantic guy, and she is the lady who will benefit from his love, but we all see how that goes. He doesn't understand her, and he doesn't try to, and this is exactly what we see in those uh, courtly love texts. Um, sh- to him, she is married, so she is the forbidden and fruit, so this is what um, what amplifies his interest in her, right? He's used to having every woman. uh, So he's attracted by her reticence, right? Uh, He knows he is charming because uh, he generally has any woman he wants, not only because he's charismatic, but because in this time, men can have women of lower rank without Needing their consent, so mm-hmm. this is just how it works. So he basically has anyone. We see him in those scenes with the prostitutes, um, where uh, um, they they even enact a sort of a kidnapping, a rapey scene that will uh, be mirrored in his scene with mm-hmm. uh, uh, with marguerite right? It's basically the same thing. He's used to the women saying oh no no but actually they all want it so this is how he thinks love works when she says no he thinks okay of course she says no because she is a respectable lady and she is married but in truth she means yes just be a little more insistent and i will eventually say yes and this is exactly how uh these medieval texts were written and they were considered romantic in the time but when we read it nowadays (laughs) well there's something awkward going on and this is why i think it was this movie was so historically accurate when it comes to social attitudes. It mm-hmm. reads it uh, just like those courtly love, those medieval romances.
0: Indeed, it really deconstructs it and kind of shows you, you know, how how disturbing it actually is. It also reminds me, unrelated, of um, some of the stuff we've seen on Webtoon and Tapas which also have similar um, disturbing themes once you think about it. A lot of people think these stories are very romantic, but are they, you know, the CEO in a lot of these stories acts a lot like, you know, Legree.
1: That's true. That's true. And this is, Very disturbing when you come to think that uh, romances in our time are not very uh, dissimilar to romances in the Middle Ages. Has our understanding of love really not changed over the course of six centuries? (laughs) when the last (laughs) duel (laughs) takes place it's kind of disturbing if you think about it we know so much about psychology and at the time that that wasn't even uh something that existed right psychology uh so we do we really have the same views they did back then (laughs) i don't know if it's a view per se i think today
0: it's more of a preference for certain people i think they know it's not good in real life but it's sort of a fantasy
1: yeah i think so and um th- I, we can see the last duel as a deconstruction of uh of these romances but in fact i i think it is a, a comeback to the Original uh, tone of these stories because this is exactly how they were in medieval times, and uh, I think we have uh, needlessly romanced these stories because from the um, it, it's it's a romantic 19th century thing where they uh, where authors went back to uh, uh, medieval texts and presented them as oh uh, we'll look at how how in love they were and how uh, romantic this thing is. So we have adopted that 19th century view, but now we can actually apply our knowledge of psychology and the uh, social relationships back to the medieval texts. And we can see that um, some interactions were actually disturbing, like mm-hmm. the last will shows us.
0: Right. And also from Le Gris point of view, it seems like he always fixates on the point that marguerite is underappreciated and he feels like he can save her because he is also a well-read person like she is and unfortunately she is married to someone who doesn't read and doesn't understand her while this is true he also doesn't understand her as you've said he just doesn't realize that he
1: he also does not understand her Exactly. And he doesn't try to. He he doesn't care what she actually thinks. He just wants to uh, sort of validate himself by having her, by having someone who is so untouchable. Uh, she is a prize to him. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. Just as the the women mm -hmm. in this medieval text are treated as uh, ideals, someone depersonalized who doesn't have uh, any kind of um, individuality. They are just shown through the point of view of the men. Right. I think in a
0: lot of medieval fiction, as you've talked about, the women serve as allegories, right? Kind of like Beatrice
1: in Dante's Inferno exactly exactly really well put they are the the other to the male narrator so the narrator doesn't understand her so he places her on a pedestal which is equally bad because this also means that he imposes on her these uh, unrealistic traits that she of course will not have and she may have other desires than he assumes she does right exactly so the next question How did you find the pacing of this movie? it was excellent i really loved it and i always thought about how brilliant these uh three perspective uh structure was uh, uh made in this movie and uh, i i was actually really uh you know pumped to see that a lot of people on the internet said that it's boring because it shows the same few scenes three times but I I couldn't believe a lot of people said that because this is why it didn't really do good at the box office because people thought it was boring. Like, why does it repeat the same thing three times? But it has so many details that are shown that are revealed with everyone's perspective. So it's not the same thing at all hmm Exactly. I think people who are used to
0: action and just wanting to see one narrative with everything answered will find it boring because they don't want to go through the same story three times.
1: I know, and I think that people aren't used to paying attention to detail. I think it's the... Um... The the way movies are made nowadays and the way people consume, um, you know, entertainment in general, uh, something that happens really fast, it is fast-paced, it doesn't allow you to really notice details and to ponder on things very much. And I think this has made people uh, unable to see details and to follow uh, uh, little things within the plot hmm exactly
0: especially since they were expecting gladiator right because you know the same director and stuff or even you know yeah. um, kingdom of man heaven. or kingdom come what was it called oh,
1: kingdom of heaven yeah
0: kingdom of heaven yeah because those were more like epic you know the quote-unquote mm-hmm. epic type of movie where the focus is on one hero and his journey right
1: yeah yeah something like that yes indeed Yeah. So this was really different from uh, from those movies and in a very good way. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. You know, I was surprised that
0: I wasn't bored at all during this movie. You know, there wasn't a single minute really where I was bored, even for the Northmen, which was, you know, very good. I did not like certain scenes. And, you know, I kind of started browsing the internet while those scenes were playing in the background for example you know the scene where they were playing the valent game you know with where the little boy nearly got killed I thought that was too long I, I, I almost
1: didn't pay attention you know until
0: close to the end
1: yeah yeah right yeah that's true i mean what i really loved about um the last duel is that every little scene has a meaning and it's like a puzzle and you have to piece it together and if you remove one thing then you will not be able to get the whole picture whereas in most movies um You know, there are lots of scenes that are just fillers, you know, let's just put some random action inside, you know. Exactly. I know. Yeah. There there
0: was this is why my reaction video to the last duel, which is linked in the description, was two hours and 25 minutes, which was almost as long as the movie itself because I could barely find anything to not react to. I mean, I was like, wait, this scene is really important. So if I don't react to it, then it's not fair because this really tells us a lot about this certain character. So then that led to
1: me including almost every scene. (laughs) That's true. That's true. So when I first saw how long the movie is before watching it, I was thinking okay, might get bored with this one. But then I, I don't, I didn't even realize when all those hours passed. <laughs> so, I yeah, know, I know.
0: Exactly. And they also did really good editing, like none of the perspectives felt too repetitive. I mean, yes, there were certain scenes that were repeated to tell us that, you know, this is what is happening, right? For example, the Battle of Limoges that happens at the beginning of on both of the men's perspectives obviously that had to be shown because that's where uh, Jean saves Jacques' life mm-hmm. and but everything else was really different honestly especially you know learning about Pierre in Jacques' point of view we never really saw anything about Pierre in Jean's point of view cuz you know he didn't know anyone and you know something i remarked was that Jean is actually a very lonely person because everyone else even marguerite has friends but he yeah. does not like he claims that jacques is his best friend but they never have any conversations like, other than him saving him and then he comes to him and says i will try to make you know the whole taxation thing easier for him and because of his connections i don't see any kind of connection between
1: these two it's just you know a duty thing because he saved his life once exactly so by his standards because he's such an introvert and a emotionally detached person jacques is a friend because he doesn't have people who are closer to him than that but of course to jacques who is so sociable it's it's really not the same he's, exactly he's so when you read actually. yeah
0: so when you read the um summary on Wiki, the, oh they are two best friends. I'm like, are you sure? I I don't really see this. Like I almost thought Pierre and Jacques were the two best friends because they actually have banter and they actually have a better conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and even Marguerite has a better social life than Jean because you know, she does have friends and you know, she talks to the people in her town. But Jean that's doesn't. True. Yeah, exactly exactly so the next question is has this movie inspired you to approach your long-running work sons of disobedience any differently after all sons of disobedience is also told from
1: three perspectives well, I think it has given me more courage to use this type of perspective. Um, in a way, the last duel is much bolder because it shows the uh, uh, the same key scenes um, three times. Uh, but um, of course, in, um, in 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 a novel, in such a long uh, piece of prose, you have to also show a lot of other things, uh, because otherwise it really would become tedious, no matter how well it is written. So um, my novel is not focused on um, some key elements that lead to a culminating scene, which is the rape in the last duel. So it's it's a bit different in terms of pacing. But um, yes, it, uh, it it did reinforce my idea that uh, writing from the three perspectives of uh, three protagonists, which intersect at times, is really uh, a, an awesome way to show uh, psychology of the characters.
0: Mm-hmm. I think from from in your book you won't have that many repeated scenes, right? Because for mm-hmm. of course, Aiden I, I I don't know when his scenes start. Like I think you changed it, so now it starts after his adup- abduction, right? Not during the monastery
1: scenes. Yeah, exactly.
0: So there's barely any overlap between the three. So that is also another difference between your work and the last
1: duel. Mm-hmm, right. Exactly. Exactly. So there aren't um, there aren't many th- scenes that all three protagonists actually take part in. It's mm-hmm. u- it's usually you know two by two, right? So not all three of them uh, having a tête-à-tête. That that <laughs> I don't think that ever happens.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because their lives are all so different.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: And it's a series of events. It's not one event like The Last Duel because the three of exactly. them are constantly thinking about one event that shapes their life and ends you know, um, one of their lives.
1: Yeah, so The Last Duel is more like a a novella in terms of structure. It has one main um, uh, line of uh, narration, whereas a novel, you know, it it has several different plots and and a main one to to link them all. So, of course, it will branch into a lot of different things. And I have a lot more characters than The Last Duel has, which has, you know, sort of four characters if we count pierre as well i think he does because he's on the the poster the movie poster. <laughs> yeah
0: so he counts <laughs> all right so um the sixth question how did you find the cinematography
1: it was very matter of fact and it was aiming at realism because this is what the movie is about so um uh, the- what I really loved that is that, like The Northman, it doesn't make use of this terrible uh, trope of action films, which is the fast cuts and the shaky cams, which always mask bad choreography, especially when it comes to fights. Like, why not show us the, the fights, the movements, the effort and the pain and the focus of the characters during the fight so we can feel the heaviness of the moment? this is what a lot of action movies really miss uh, in our time, and both the last duel and the Northmen have this uh, nice, fluid cuts that don't um, uh, that allow you to see everything and to actually feel what the characters feel, even in in the duel. Um, so um, yeah, it was it was really well done. I mean, Ridley Scott is, after all, a well, legendary director who made these great historical films, and, uh, you know, generally very atmospheric stuff, like Alien, for example, which, you know, you, you, you could see, um, if you don't watch it, you can think, okay, it's just a, a sci-fi movie, uh, a horror sci-fi, but it is so atmospheric, and it has some awesome cinematography uh so uh yeah i think that is to be expected from ridley scott but at the same time i think he really outdid himself when it comes to uh uh, psychology character psychology Definitely. And I think the cinematography
0: um, kind of reflects that, you know, especially with the grayish, bluish tones that color the whole movie, you know, this kind of feeling of oppression and isolation that Marguerite especially feels.
1: That's true. That's true. And uh, it's very different from The Northman since I'm, I'm comparing it because it's another historical movie that was really good and very recent and we discussed it so that was very different both uh styles of cinematography are very good but um the northman is a lot more artsy because subject matter is more surreal and more based on legend whereas this one is more realistic and matter of fact
0: right and i I think the northman was also brighter too there were many scenes where you know Um, It was very bright, but I noticed that in The Last Duel, there's barely any bright scenes. The only one I can really think of is at the very end with Marguerite and her son, and you know, you we get the um, facts displayed on the screen that Jean dies a few years after winning the duel, <laughs> so she's finally yeah. happy because she doesn't have to deal with Legree or Jean anymore. They're both gone from her life. <laughs> so that's <laughs> uh, the only time we really get to see, you know, really bright colors on the screen. And and the other time was when Jean was away, and you know she was exploring the town with her friend
1: yeah yeah that
0: was when it was bright but everything else you usually see the darkness of the the house you know next to the fire and also when they got married it was very dark too
1: that's true
0: yeah so the
1: last question is how would you rate this movie Ah, okay. So, um, well, first of all, I haven't really talked about what I didn't like about this movie. And um, actually, what I didn't like was Margaret's character. Uh, because she's not as nuanced as the two men. And I know it was meant to show that, uh, you know, uh, her, her uh, part is introduced as the truth, so you automatically realize that she's the heroine of the story, but this is exactly what I would have preferred to see in a different way, because I wanted her to be a more complex, a more nuanced character, and this idea that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the poor good woman, who is wronged by the men. I didn't really like this because it's, I don't know, it feels exaggerated. Everybody has flaws. You cannot be a very good person. Um, And, um, you know, this, the the woman as a martyr idea doesn't really appeal to me. And I think it's quite, um, I don't know, I I guess a modern uh, way to present uh, women. I mean, it's it's sort of similar to that warrior woman trope, <laughs> you know? I mean, women are always good. <laughs> women don't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have the woman, uh, we have um, her mother-in-law, we have uh, her friend who betrays her, so it doesn't say that all women are uh, good, but I wanted her to be a more nuanced character, so this is what I didn't like, I mean, I, I liked her perspective very much because it casts light on the other two characters and what and on what really happened. But I wish there was something more to the character. You know, I, I felt like it was a bit underwhelming. And also she had she had a line that I thought was very anachronistic. Um, it was something like uh you know she she rolls her eyes in court and she is like please explain to me how rape can be pleasurable i don't think people would have said that in that time because they did not have a clear picture of consent and what rape means they thought that rape means sex (laughs) so this is basically what it means and i i don't think anybody would have phrased it in that way during the time so i mean uh, they believed that if a woman uh, has orgasm during intercourse, uh, you know, it, that if a woman gets pregnant, it means that she orgasmed and that she liked it. So this was the level of understanding that people in medieval times had about consent. I don't think anybody would have said that line. It was very anachronistic. So I thought mm-hmm. that perspective was a bit, you know, forced in order to prove a point it was yeah i think it was
0: sort of political too
1: mm-hmm. I, think right. so. I think yeah so.
0: definitely but yes um i agree with you i think it could have been better definitely And um, I think it could have been more nuanced because I read more articles about it and they were saying that historically it could have been possible that Marguerite was actually trying to lead Le Le Gris on so she could have have a kid because apparently, you know, she's been married to Jean for five years and nothing has happened.
1: That's right. I mean, they could have given her something. Uh, okay, maybe not something that could be construed as victim blaming, you know, but she could have had other flaws. Uh, maybe she wanted, uh, you know, to to take advantage of uh, uh, position or money in order to, uh, uh, you know, advance her and her father's uh, position or something, you know, so maybe something completely unrelated to her uh. uh attraction to these men so she could have a flaw maybe she could have been a spendthrift i know that that's uh you know sort of overdone but even that would be better than her having no flaw at all and just being this martyr through and through that's true she really didn't have any flaws yeah and it's not realistic everybody has flaws everybody makes mistakes sometimes
0: I guess that wasn't the focus because they really wanted to focus on proving the point, you know, about rape and consent. So that Mm -hmm. her I her um, you know, her roles, I mean anything outside of that was just kind of brushed aside.
1: That's true. And I really appreciate that the the focus was dismantling this medieval idea of honor, uh, especially in that high medieval high middle ages with knights dueling over honor so i, I really like that they did that but yeah i just wish margaret was more nuanced uh, so the rating this is difficult you know i have trouble finding uh, giving um rate scores to movies maybe a 4.5 i guess Mm, Yeah, I think so.
0: For me, I think it's probably 4.9 because it exceeded the expectations so much.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: (laughs) I think it was actually more interesting than the Northmen, in a sense, because the Northmen kind of dragged in some places.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm being subjective because the Northmen is, you know, Vikings. Mm-hmm. But uh, I really did appreciate the Northmen from other points of view. So I guess they are about the same for me. I mean, I do love the psychology in uh, The Last Duel, which is really not <laughs> all obvious in The, the Northmen. But then, hmm, I'm not sure. I guess it's 4.5. And I think I gave The Northman 4.4. So that's... about (laughs) the same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you as well. It it, it was awesome to discuss this movie as I really love historical fiction done well. I know. I can't wait to do more reviews with you. Same, same. Thank you so much.